A cornerstone of our faith is that Hashem controls the world in every single detail, and we call that Hashkacha Pratis. Now, in the story of Koirach, what we see is that Moshe speaks to Hashem and says, how come it is that you're going to be angry at a whole group of people if one person has done something wrong? And he introduces that by saying, Hashem basar. Now, we want to understand the nature of that particular phrase, and it will open a conversation for us about Hashkacha Pratis. And is it possible that if a person behaves in a really bad way, that they lose Hashem's oversight? Or is it possible that there are different dimensions of Hashgah HaPratis? And that's what Moshe is alluding to here. We know that when Hashem told Moshe and Aaron, move away from this bad group of people and I'm going to wipe them out. They argued back. God, who is the God of the spirits of all flesh. One person sins and you get angry at everybody. So we get their argument. The question is, why the introduction? Before they say, how is it that you get angry at everybody for the actions of one person, they first say, that Hashem is the God of the spirits of all flesh. Why did they say that? Rashi explains it. So Rashi says that what they wanted to say over here is that Hashem knows what people are thinking. And so therefore, So as Rashi says, it's revealed to you, Hashem, like an open book, what everybody has thought. So you know who the true sinner is. Therefore, you, Hashem, know. You know who the one person is that sinned. And nevertheless, you're going to be angry and reprimand and take retribution against everybody. Hashem says, according to Rashi, correct? I know and I will expose who sinned and who did not. So that's the context. Moshe and Aaron say, Hashem, you know what's going on, therefore you could be very incisive in your uh, punishment. Why are you doing collective punishment? But as much as Rashi explains it, there's still something that we need to understand. If you want to say that Hashem knows everybody's thoughts, great, He knows what's going on in the more spiritual component of the person. But why do they say, What does that come to end? If the whole point was that Hashem is Yodea Machshavis, Elokei Haruchos tells us that He's Yodea Machshavis. Why do we have to know the Chol Basar? What's the, that emphasis? The truth is that the question is even deeper because Isibir Shalmi, Echad Hashemea Kilas Hashem Yisrael, Echad Mipi Ha'akum Chayav Likroya. So the Gemara Yishalmi tells us that when somebody Chas Shalom curses Hashem's name, whoever hears it has to rent their garments, regardless of whether the person was Jewish or not Jewish who said this horrible expression. My timer. And how does the Gemara prove it there? Because it says, Ani Hashem Elekei Kol Basar Begoymer. It says, Hashem says, I am the God of all flesh. Meaning, In other words, the Gemara, in the Talmud Yerushalmi has made it clear to us that the expression, extends beyond the Jewish community and includes all human beings. 
If that's the case, it's difficult to understand over here. So how does this work? How does this match? Moshe and I want to say, one Jewish person has sinned. How can you take retribution against the whole Jewish nation? So why would they use the expression, the Chol Basar, which extends to non-Jewish people too? Okay, we could understand if when Avram Avinu, who used almost identical words to try and protect the people from, of Sodom from destruction, that would have been the place to say L'chol Basa. What does Avram Avinu say? Will righteous people also be destroyed together with uh, wicked people? And he was talking about non-Jewish people. How ironic. When Avram Avinu is talking about saving the rogue non-Jewish nations of Sodom and Amorah, he doesn't say L'chol Basar, which is applicable and relevant when you're talking about a non-Jewish crowd. And he just simply says, would the ultimate judge not be just? Yet over here, when we're talking about Kairach, now Moshe and Aaron do use the expression L'chol Basar, which seems to extend to non-Jewish people. It just seems out of place. So we have to understand what's happening here. So the answer is, what are Moshe and Aaron trying to say? They want to say that Hashem, you have Ashkocha Pratis. You know exactly what's going on in the intimate details of every single component of every single part of life. So you know exactly who out of the entire crowd of Kairach, you know who the sinner is. Rashi makes it very clear. There's one sinner. Right? We know who that sinner is, right? That sinner is Kayach. That's it. We know who it is. There's another sicha where the Rebbe explains us in, in great detail. That the, the words that Rashi uses in the Mashal actually express this theme very clearly where he says, So the language that Rashi uses is actually quite specific in the Mashal. It says, what happens if you have an entire country where everybody kind of glitched in their commitment to Hashem, to the king, to a physical king, and yet one person was the rabble-rouser and was the, the sinner. You should be able to distinguish between the person who is the catalyst and everybody else who kind of got sucked in. Which Rashi is basically telling us that the other members of Kerach's party were not intentional, malicious rebel, rebels against Hashem. So they don't fit into the category of having sinned. They fit into the category of having glitched. So that's the argument of Moshe and Aaron. Because Hashem knows not just behavior. We can look at a person's behavior. But Hashem can read their intention behind that behavior. So Hashem can identify who is a sinner and who is just somebody who got sucked into the, the popular thinking at the time. So 
And Hashem is absolutely clear, obviously, about the fact that there's a single sinner. And he is the one, as both the Pasuk says and Rashi says, the one person who causes all of this trouble, who uh, basically uh, riled everybody else up. So because the Ebishter can distinguish between their intentions, the Ebishter should distinguish between the punishment. Those who are sorcho, who got sucked into it, should be punished lightly. And the one individual who's the choyte, who caused this whole disruption, he should be punished strictly. So, and now that would also help us to understand why Avraham Avinu didn't give this whole introduction and say, the Ebishter who knows what people's intentions are. Why? Because Avraham Avinu was trying to distinguish between people who you could see that their behavior is wicked or you could see that their behavior is righteous. He wasn't looking to what their intentions were. There was no such thing as somebody who just got dragged into bad behavior. Sodom and Amorah was clear, cut and dry. Good guys and bad guys. And unfortunately, there were no good guys. And therefore, in that particular context, it was irrelevant to discuss whether their motivation was pure, not so pure, malicious. It doesn't actually make a difference. Okay, so what do we know clearly? We know clearly that Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKoyen say to Hashem, you know what's going on in people's minds, you should be able to distinguish. What we don't know clearly is why they say Kolbasa. Kolbasa seems to extend also to non-Jewish people too, and there are no non-Jewish people in this mix. So why use that expression? We also can, because we've now explained that the whole focus here is that Moshe and Aaron are saying, but you know what's going on in their minds. So now you can understand why Rashi uses the expression that you know people's thoughts and you therefore know who the sinner is. And that's also, it's apparent in Rashi's um wording for how the Ebishter responded, which is, I know who is. You're right, and I know who sinned. Now the emphasis over here is, I know. He doesn't say, it is known. As we very often find Chazal say, that it is clear and revealed and known. There's a big difference between saying Hashem knows and saying the information is known. The very fact that Rashi started the conversation by saying all thoughts are known to you would have led us to imagine that Rashi would continue and this is known to you. But, but he doesn't want to say that. He Dafka wants to say you know. Now, in English, maybe you don't hear the difference between it is known to you and you know, but there's quite a significant difference. The reason it's so relevant is because it is well known that there are two possibilities of how the Ebishter knows what's going on. Hashkocha Pratis is not uniform. Aleph, one way is, one way is, Hashkocha Pratis is, it is known to the Ebishter. So it's almost like the Ebishter is uh, like a, a, an official sitting in his office and reports come to him. It is known to him. It becomes known to him. Without any personal involvement. Unlike the person who has to wait for the reports to come, in the Ebishter's case, everything, all the information is streamed to the Ebishter immediately. And that's it. He knows what's going on. Without having to get down into the reality of the world, he automatically knows what's going on. 
אמנם, גם ידיע זוהי היא על כל פרט ופרט, אבל מאחר שידיע זוהי היא למעלה מסלבשת בנברואים ומובדלת מהם, הרי באופן אמר כבקל אז כל הנברואים בשווה. So from this perspective, yes, of course, Hashem is aware of every single detail, of every single activity that happens in every single place to every single person. But there's no difference between whether the event happens to somebody important, not important, Jewish, not Jewish, human, non, non-human. It actually doesn't make a difference. It's just an information stream. It's like a ticker that's running constantly, updates what's going on in the world, every single detail. So, So this is looking from a perspective which is beyond being in any way affected, tainted, upset by what's going on in the world. It's just an observation. It's a clinical observation. It's like being in a laboratory and getting lab reports. That's what it is. So you get every single detail, but there's no direct personal connection. That's one form of Hashgach HaPratis. Then there's another form. Then there's the different, the active role, not yodua, what is known to me. Yodea, what I make an effort to know. That implies, that implies that they invest time, so to speak, and energy gets into that reality to know what's going on in that reality. In a personal, attached way, Now from that perspective, not every creature will have the same degree of his askos, of his slabshos. David is not going to get so engaged and involved in the life of an amoeba as the havdil in the life of a human being, particularly a Jewish human being. And it's only from this level that you can have a concept of reward and punishment. The higher experience of Ashkocha Pratis, which is from a distance without any subjective involvement, there's no concept of schar and oinish because there's no concept of good and bad and better and worse or more advanced, less advanced. It's just information, binary information. In this reality, everything counts. Everything has a place. Everything has a responsibility and therefore... there can be the possibility of living up to your responsibilities and being rewarded for it, or not, and being, God forbid, punished. That's what Rashi emphasizes over here. I know Hashem says who the sinner is, and not it is known to me. Because in this conversation, obviously we must be relating to that dimension of Elikus and that dimension of divine awareness that can allow for reward, or in this case, punishment. Now this fits perfectly with what we want to say over here, that David says, I'm going to show you, this is his slapshots, I'm getting into the space of the crowd. The crowd needs to know who is the bad guy and who were the people who were gullible enough to fall into his trap. So I'm going to let you know, I'm getting involved in your world. If it was the first kind of Ashkocha protest, what's the difference? So you don't understand how it works. Okay, no, nishkefelech. I have the information, you don't have the information. So we're dafka looking over here at a specific kind of Ashkocha Pratis, but derech his with complete engagement in the reality of the world.
Now that's going to take us to a classic conversation about how Hashkacha Pratis works, where the Rambam, as we're about to see, has a very clear philosophy that Hashkacha Pratis is relative to the degree of your connection to Hashem. So the closer you are, the more Hashkacha you have. The more distant someone is, the less Hashkacha they have. And we're going to see that it's not a black and white yes or no, either there is or isn't Hashkacha Pratis. We're going to see that it talks to you know, the differences of how, how much Hashem is involved. So the first observation that Rambam makes in Meir Nevochim is Hashkocha Pratis is only relevant to humans. So the Rambam's shita is that the Eibishter is concerned with what happens to the individual personality, what happens to you and I in our lives. But when it comes to the Impalas in the African savannah, then as long as there's the correct amount of impalas at any given time, it doesn't matter which one happens to be eaten by a lion. That, that level of Ashkocha Pratis doesn't exist. Then the, the Rambam says further, uh, When it comes to, to humans, it's also not uniform. It's not uniform. Uh, but the way that it works is that depending on how much a person has intellectually allowed themselves to connect to Hashem, that will determine how much of a personal oversight they get from Hashem. So, says the Rambam, People are foolish enough to rebel against Hashem, wicked people. Where their intellect is not connected to Hashem at all. So, they removes from them that level of intense personal connection. So those individuals land up in a situation, as it's hinted to in Tehillim, that they're compared to animals and they're treated like animals. So the Ebershah doesn't get into the Ashkocha Pratis of these individuals who have chosen to detach themselves from Hashem. That's the attitude of the Rambam. And he proves it, like the Pasuk says, the part of the rebuke that Hashem gives us is that a time could come where Hashem will turn His face from us, hide His face from us, and it will feel like things just they're, con- they're, they're, they're circumstantial. Somehow, these events happen, these bad things happen to these people. In fact, the Torah says that people will say, because Hashem is not within me, not close to me, therefore these events have found their way to me, almost as if they're without a driver, without a, character, a choreographer. In other what's the Rambam saying? If a person, Jewish person, should, God forbid, disconnect themselves from Hashem, then they become open season, fair game for opportunists, for things that will happen to them without any sense of real control. And the difficulties that come into their life are like something that, I don't know how it happened, it just occurred. Because, as the Rambam says, the kind of oversight that Hashem gives to Rishoyim is similar to animals, which is a more generalized oversight, make sure that there are enough humans in the world at any given time or that they generally have what they need without getting into the details of do you have it today in the form that you want it, etc. 
סמובן שאפילו כשהם נענושים מלמיילה, לא באופן של מופקן המקרה, אלא כשהדובר גולוין שאוין יש בו בהשכוחה מלמיילה, כי בנידוין דידן בריאו יברו הוויה. So now what the Rambam saying is, yes of course there's a possibility of מצאוני הרויס, where bad things will seem to happen as if not controlled by Hashem. The truth is, even when Eibishto wants to punish them directly, like in the case of Kerach, opening the earth to swallow him, the Rambam's argument is because these individuals have detached themselves from Hashem, even the direct punishment from Hashem to them does not impact them in a way that it feels like Ashkocha Protis. In fact, it isn't. It's Ashkocha Klolis. There's a generalized response team to people who behave in a particular way. Like the Rambam says, The Rambam says that because people who detach themselves from Hashem due to bad behavior become like animals, it's easier to kill them. It's not proti, it's not personal. Whatever. Just like we might cull elephants in the wild because uh, they're, they're damaging the environment. So the Ebershah could cull certain people because they're spiritually damaging their environment. Now, if we go with the Rambam's shita, that it is possible for people to misbehave and therefore lose the attention to detail from Ashkocha Pratis and instead fall under the category of Ashkocha Klolis, so what's Moshe and Aaron's taina? How could one person sin and you punish everybody? If what's happening over here is they have lost the oversight, the personal oversight that humans, specifically Jewish people, deserve. They've relinquished that opportunity because of their behavior. And now they only have Ashkocha Klolis, where Eibsheh looks at the whole story, so to speak, as one story without delving into the details of the individual. So then, So how can Moshe and Aaron now demand the Abish? You have to pay closer attention. You have to get into the Pratim, get mis, be mislabish, get into this reality, into this world. How could you? How could you argue that? How could you insist that they've detached themselves from that opportunity? It's, it seems just actually that Hashem is going to destroy everybody in one shot. Because that's Ashkocha Klolis. So we need to understand this idea of the different experiences of Ashkocha Pratis better, which we'll do based on Chassidus, particularly um, the explanation of the Mitzvah Rebbe. So the Mitzvah Rebbe is going to explain the approach of the Rambam, the philosophy of the Rambam, that animals and even people who misbehave do not have this personalized oversight. Does not contradict the Baal Shemtev's approach, which is that there is Ashkocha Pratis in every single thing, even a leaf that falls off a tree. Why? <coughs> because there are two kinds of Ashkocha Pratis. As we're about to call them, there's Ashkocha Pnimis and Ashkocha Chitzonis. What does that mean? Aleph. Ashkocha Pnimis. The ideal state of Ashkocha Pratis is not only that it is specific, but it is Pnimi, which means deeply personal. Ashkocha Zoihi Begiloi. That kind of Ashkocha Pratis you can see. The, the nature around the Ashkocha Pratis doesn't blind you from seeing the Ashkocha Pratis. So that's the, you know, those stories that people say, you can't believe what happened to such Ashkocha Pratis. 
ומנגר ההשגחה זוין, כוסף הרמב״ם שלפי דבקו שכל אודם בליכוס, ודצח ובראשוים אינו קיימס, באופן פרוטי כמו כלולס אמין. That's what the Rambam was talking about. The Rambam says that type of Ashkocha Pratis, which is Pnimi, which feels personal, you experience it happening to you, is reserved for people who have a relationship with Hashem. Anybody who chooses to sever that relationship loses that ability. So they'll still have Ashkocha Pratis, Pratis, personal Ashkocha Pratis in their lives, and they'll be absolutely oblivious to it. And they'll have, uh, you know, well, they'll, they'll have the, the Klolos, the, <laughs> so that it's not... Ashkocha pnimis, it's ashkocha klolis, which basically means that everything that's supposed to happen will happen to that individual, but without any sense of connection between Hashem and that individual, without any sense of awareness from Hashem, uh, from the person. On the other hand, you have what's called ashkocha chitzonis, which is, ashkocha zemilveshes behel melevushah teva v'chiyotzebozeh. That's where ashkocha pratis happens, but it is so well disguised in the normal process of life that you are absolutely oblivious to the fact that it happened. Like the guy who's waiting and waiting for the, car, for the space in the parking lot and eventually says, okay, God, I don't need you anymore. I found a spot. Every single creature has this ashkocha. So it's ashkocha protis chitzonis. Okay, so Ashkocha Pratis Pnimis, which means that Hashem is dealing with every single detail of every single thing, is only felt by those who are close enough to feel. Ashkocha Chitzonis, which is the Devishter Fritavel. Devishter is running every single thing that happens, except that you are totally oblivious. That could happen to anybody and anything, not only humans. So Nimza, that implies, that even the Rambam would agree that Rishoyim are managed by Hashkocha Pratis. There are no accidents in their lives. And they're not just looked at in the broader sense of the entire genus of humans, and they have to, or, or this particular group of people, and, and the whole group has to be dealt with in a particular way. No, there's Hashkocha Pratis. Elo, she'etzlom ze'i Hashkocha Chitzainis. What happens to Rishoim is that the nature of the Ashkocha Pratis in their lives is absolutely disguised within the realm of nature to the point that they don't even realize that it's happening. You're going to ask, but the Rambam said there's a clear Pasuk, and the Pasuk used the expression Mitzauni, things found their way to me, almost as if on autopilot. And the Rambam used that to indicate that there's no Ashkocha Pratis for these individuals. So how do you explain the Pasuk? As the Rambam said, his definition of that Pasuk was that these individuals have relinquished, or the Ebeshter has relinquished control over them, and they are complete in the hand of circumstance. The truth is that the fact that somebody is in that situation is in itself, as the Pasuk says, I'm going to hide my face. I'm doing it. I am personally doing Hastoras Ponim. I'm personally hiding my face. Ain't this silik ashkocha? That doesn't mean that Hashem is removing his oversight. Kim rakvistati ponai hestal ashkocha hapnimis. There you have it in the words. David's just not removing his oversight. He's removing the consciousness, the connection within that oversight. So the recipient will not feel connected, will not feel ashkocha pratis is happening. I cannot believe these things that are coming my way, all one after the other. I'm prone to, to accidents. Now, 
So eventually the person believes. Such is life. I'm having a bad run, bad muzzle. The person doesn't sense the Abish's hand behind it. The reality is it's still absolute personalized Hashkocha Pratis, just not Panemius. So we've learned something very powerful over here. Hashkocha Pratis is absolute on every single strata of existence, including those that are non-human and including human beings who rebel against Hashem. But should a person choose to rebel against Hashem, they choose to lose the sensitivity to what is happening to them in their lives and it feels accidental or incidental or circumstantial. With that in mind, we can go back to the Pasuk and the strange expression that Moshe and Aaron used, Lechol Basso, which apparently doesn't only refer to Jewish people. Now we can understand why before Moshe and Aaron could get to their main argument, which is, sounds like you're not being fair. God, you're the God of justice, you're not being fair. First, they had to say, Why? What they dafka wanted to say was they wanted to use an expression which is equally relevant to non-Jews as well. The Rogachava actually uses, based on the Yerushalmi, we already quoted this expression, Kol Basar is there to teach us the type of Ashkocha Pratis that affects Goyim. That's exactly what Moshe and I are not complaining about. It's exactly what they're saying. Yes, we know Kairach and his crew are fools. And not only are they fools, they're wicked people. And they don't deserve this personalized connection, but they still should have Hashgacha Pratis. Even if it was non-Jews you were dealing with, we would still know, Hashem, that you know everything that's going on and you know their intentions and you would judge them with Hashgacha Pratis, even if they were Goyim. Look at them. They're not connected intellectually to Hashem, and yet you have Ashkocha Pratis over them. How much more, so Hashem, don't you have to have absolute personalized oversight for every single Jewish person? Even if they have outwardly decided to detach themselves, now it turns out that it's a very powerful argument that Moshe and Aaron are making. Kol Basar! You have Ashkocha Pratis, where you get into the details of the non-Jewish world. At least that, at least that you should give to Kairach and his crew to pay attention because you know what they're thinking and give the same level of oversight that you would give to the rest of the world. Now it's a really powerful argument. Even though, as the Rambam has pointed out to us, that if a Jewish person, God forbid, rebels against Hashem, they land up with the same kind of experience of Hashkocha Pratis that is usually reserved for the non-Jewish world. Hashkocha Chitzonis, the more offish, generalized Hashkocha Pratis, undetected Hashkocha Pratis. Hamelubesh is Hateva Canal, which is completely immersed in the, in the guise of nature. 
אף על פי כן יש נחילק איקרי בין אופן ההסתיו של ההשכחה על בני ישראל להבדיל על אומה סועלם, even then there's a major difference between how ההשכחה פרטיס affects us, even the disaffected Jews compared to how ההשכחה פרטיס affects the rest of the world. When you're dealing with the nations of the world where their entire reality and the source of their entire life is from a more superficial dimension of godliness, represented by the name Elikim, which has the same gematria as the word for nature. So that tells you that that tells you that the fundamental core position of the non-Jewish world is under the sway of the natural order. Whatever happens in nature, they are bound by nature. So therefore, the default state of Hashkocha Pratis over them only begins from Shem Elikim. Their reality only begins from Shem Elikim. Their reality begins from the realm of nature. So the Hashkocha Pratis that is associated with them, even though it is Pratis, it's personalized, still it is fundamentally within the world, within the reality of nature. And that's not how Jews are. Mashen Kem so, so where do we come from? What's, what's the source of our life? Our reality, our life, our entire existence stems from a reality that is completely beyond nature. So the default state of Ashkocha Pratis that we experience comes from a much higher source and it's much more personalized and much more naturally revealed because it's not bound in nature. It doesn't belong to the world of nature. Are you going to say, so how come it is then that if a person is a rebel against Hashem, suddenly their Hashkocha Pratis recedes to be hidden within the realm of nature? That doesn't mean that they have no longer got Hashkocha Pratis from the level of Havai, like they've been demoted to the name Elikim, like the rest of the world. Doesn't matter where the Jew is, doesn't matter what the Jew has done, doesn't matter how far they have roamed. The bottom line is. They are always considered close to Shem Havaya and always considered Hashem's children. So what happens? So what's going to happen is you're still going to have Ashkocha Pratis coming from this incredibly high level called Shem Havaya, but it will manifest in their reality hidden in the layers of nature. And you actually see this in the language of the Pasuk. He doesn't say, I'm going to remove my face. He says, I'm going to hide my face. still my face. You're just not going to see it. It's just a layer, a veil over the Hashkocha Protis Pnimis that Abishta will always have for his people. And that's why if the person, even if he's been totally distanced from Hashem, decides to apply his mind and decides to explore a little bit further into what's happened in his life, he'll be able to see that was Hashkocha Pratis. To the point that the Hashkocha Pratis 
Pneumis can be revealed in the experience of every single Jewish person, even the one who is far, far from where they need to be. So that's quite important for us to know. And that's Moshe and Aaron's Taina. A non-Jewish person, you're still going to have Ashkafa Pratis. Yidin, who will always retain a connection to Shema Vaya, and therefore will always retain a connection to Ashkafa Pnimis, definitely you should be able to discern between who's the sinner and who are the victims. Now we could even understand what the purpose is of Hashem, so to speak, hiding His face. Which, of course, re- results in a scenario where a person could mis- misguidedly believe that what's happening to them in their life is happenstance. If you think about it, there's a good question over here. Isn't the whole point of Hashem hiding His face to cause us to feel the pressure, so we'll do tshuva. <laughs> but what, how could this work if the goal is to awaken somebody to do tshuva, and the method is to make it feel like things are happening to them that are not controlled by Hashem? How's that going to get you to do tshuva? Isn't the whole point that they should recognize that the difficulties they're going through are orchestrated by Hashem to wake them up? The fact that a person could imagine that what's happening to them in their life is circumstantial surely is the exact opposite of the goal, which is to awaken them to do Teshuvah. So therefore we have to go back to what we said before, which is, The concealment that Hashem is using over here is just a veil. It's not Hashem stepping away, it's Hashem obscuring our vision. The reality is, if you care just to look a little bit deeper, you'll discover that Hashem is perfectly, personally, intimately, directly involved in every single detail of every single person's life, including the rebel. Which is why these circumstances, although they're not initially interpreted as Hashem's hand, they still carry within them the ability to awaken the person to, 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 to do tshuva. Because there is this oversight still coming from that dimension of Shema Vaya. Okay, so the person's not seeing it with his eyes. He's not hearing it. He's not feeling it in his heart. He's not understanding it with his head. So all of his koichas pnimim are just missing the point over here. But it's ponai. This is the deeper dimension of, of Elikos. This is Shem Havaya, which speaks to the deeper dimension of myself that can never be tainted by what I can't think or feel or do. So despite the fact that in a goloidika way I'm not seeing the Ashkacha Pratis, in the essence of who I am, I'm picking up the signals. And therefore it awakens a person to tshuva. As Chassidus explains in various places, that it's dafka the tshuva of a person feeling that they are so far from Elikos, that tshuva is the one that awakens the deepest part of the essence of the soul. In such a compelling way that it informs and illuminates everything that a person does. Suddenly the Neshama is talking to everything that I do. Whereas if you have a tzaddik who sees elikos, feels elikos, understands elikos, 
So that person never gets aroused to do this dramatic kind of teshuva. And so therefore they don't have this experience of like a radical shift of their whole avoida. They just have a next step of their avoida. So it's interesting that you've got somebody who feels so distant from Hashem and they specifically, they have the opportunity for the greatest turnaround and the greatest leaps and bounds of spiritual growth. With that in mind, we can appreciate what Hashem responded to Moshe in Rashi's words. You spoke well. I know who's wrong. And I will expose me who sinned and who didn't. Moshe and Aaron were only saying, you know the truth. They were saying, you know, because you have, there's absolute Ashkacha Pratis on every single Jewish person, including Koyach and his clan. As already we mentioned, they said, even by Goyim you have that awareness. David says, I'm going to do more than that. Not only am I going to say, you're right, and I can tell the difference, I'm going to express, I'm going to reveal, I'm going to expose who's right and wrong. Actually, you're going to see that Ashkocha Pratis, and not only Ashkocha Pratis, but Ashkocha Pnimis is alive and well in the Jewish people, even when they sin. Because look, those Shesoruchu, they did something wrong. I'm still going to apply not just Ashkocha Pratis, but Ashkocha Pnimis, which means people will see. Do you see Hashem's direct oversight over here? These people are being separated from that person. That kind of Ashkocha Pratis. Ashkocha Pratis, but even God will be slapshes for which can be clearly seen and is absolutely, so to speak, invested in the reality of this world, even with regards to such bad people, that is unique only to the Jewish people. So in fact, the take-home message over here is that even when Jewish people might do the most horrific things, totally against what Hashem wants, it's even in those circumstances that David will show us, you see how much I love you? You see how much I care about you? I'm going to reveal Ashkocha Pratis. Pnimis for who? those people.